We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sam, listeners, Lightyear's podcast, do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Wow, that's amazing. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open up a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment and made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Light Years podcast, we will have an episode with Bleacher Report's lead draft writer, Jonathan Wasserman, coming out in a day to preview the G League bubble and the potential players the Warriors may be able to take with the Minnesota Timberwolves pick. So look out for that. But before we get there, I'm recording this Saturday night with Aaron Larsoul sitting in for Andy Liu after what was maybe the most frustrating Warriors loss of the season? Aaron, was that the most frustrating? The Knicks one was probably more frustrating because the Knicks are not very good, but this game felt very avoidable. Steph Curry goes for 57. Um, looks He looks like he can get whatever he wants at any time in the game. And at the end of the day, you know, Luca played a great game too, but they ended up losing by two points at the end. Yeah, you know, um, thank you for having me. Um, I think this one was, I don't know if this one was the most frustrating because, uh, the Warriors did a lot of things. Well, they didn't really compete defensively like they did on Thursday. I, for me, the Knicks loss was more frustrating because there were so many things that you could point to and say, this is why, this is why simple things. Um, and as we talk about a lot, um, you, Andy and myself are probably the three people that are hardest on Steve Kerr uh, publicly. And I don't think this was a Steve Kerr loss. Uh, I think this was a Kelly Oubre loss. I think this was a not competing defensively loss. 
So uh, this one was not as frustrating to me as the Knicks loss, but I think I agree with you that it was very preventable. It feels worse when you throw away a Steph game like this. Like, I mean, in general, you know, Steph is always good. Um, but when he's in this kind of zone, 57 points, I mean, I think it's the only, it's the first time he's lost scoring over 50 points since the uh, Madison Square Garden game. In right, which was 2000. his previous career high, the 54, yeah. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah. I think that, uh, I think something that is important in this realm is, so they used to say uh, that the only person in college, like the only person that could hold down Michael Jordan was his coach, right? Yeah. So, so um, I think that kind of applies again um, to Steve Kerr here. I would have liked a few more. I, I think this was a game to push Steph's minutes a little bit more. Um, but, and then again, you know, when he came back in, in the fourth, a couple minutes too late for my taste, um, he didn't start cooking again. He didn't get the shots up as quickly as he was. He didn't previously. really get aggressive until we got under the two minute mark. At right. And it was, you know, and it was like a 10 point game at that point. Um, but I, yeah, this one, it just wasn't as frustrating to me as some of the other ones. Look, I mean, like it, we were back to Kelly Oubre being this year's Kelly Oubre and not Thursday's Thursday Kelly Oubre. Kelly Oubre. Yeah. <laughs> and not, and not previous seasons, Kelly Oubre. Um, I thought that Andrew Wiggins was good, but invisible. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, in, in those ways, it was kind of frustrating. But I, I think the interesting part about this is um, it forced Steve Kerr to play some lineups that a lot of people, you know, a lot of Twitter coaches, and myself included, have wanted to see. He, he's been forced, just because those are the guys available, he's been well, forced yeah, to Yeah, they're down surround. to nine guys and, right. no, and no big men other than Drake. Right, so he's been – so you know, I, I tweeted out about the lineup of – you know, Steph and Dre and then Damian Lee and uh, Bazemore and uh, Mulder, right? And it, it was it was fine. It wasn't great. Um, today it was it was fine, but not great. But I think that those kind of lineups are something that is going to maximize Steph offensively. You and I have texted about this. Just give know, him a little um, more space. I mean, there's and you see what happens. I don't think there's another superstar in the NBA, LeBron James. Um, you know, we saw Luca tonight. Luca's going through a big time struggle season because no one can hit shots around him. And, right. um, you know, we can just go down the list, James Harden, Kevin Durant, all these guys, you need to have a, a certain amount of spacing around them. And I mean, I don't think there's, there's another coach who'd even try to play like Ubre Wiggins, Draymond Wiseman around their superstar player. Other than Steph, other than the fact so that I, Steph gets trapped at half court and and whatnot, that anyone would even try that stuff in the past. So, I, so I think that's right. Um, we also saw that Rick Carlisle is going to play Steph. Did on Thursday and did tonight. He's gonna it, he plays Steph more straight up than most coaches, especially with the lineups. But some of it, I think, is that when you don't have Looney out there, when you don't have Wiseman out there. Um, when you don't have Pascal out there, you're kind of forced to play Steph more straight up because 
even if the guys replacing those guys aren't great shooters, they're better shooters. So there's a little bit more space. And then you can see Steph shooting the threes, but then you can also see Steph attacking off the bounce. Um, right. Let's give some, let's also give some credit to, to, to Draymond. And I know he doesn't want, and, and the team doesn't want him to play center full time, but I don't think it's coincidental that he's had 15 assists on back-to-back nights. Um, because he's been the only when he's played, he's been the only quote unquote big. I agree. So I want to actually pull this back to Steph because I we'll talk about Draymond later. He was there's a lot to get to there, but I'm gonna give you some quotes here post game right now. Rick Carlisle, I don't know if there's a harder guy to play in basketball right now than Steph Curry because of all the different ways he affects the game and just his uncanny ability to make shots from anywhere on the floor. Steve Kerr. I've never seen him like this. Now, from Steve, who is generally one to temper expectations. He's he's measured, yeah. Yeah, that's surprising to me. And I don't know that either of them are wrong, uh, which comes back to the first thing you were saying, which is what I wanted to talk about. And I don't want to turn this into a Steve Kerr bash session because this is a decidedly mediocre roster. And... Mm -hmm. You know, they had a chance to steal a game tonight, but end of the day, 12 and 11 is probably the correct record for them, right? Like they could, a couple breaks, they could be 14 and nine, right? Yeah. So on balance, yes, on balance, yes. But Dallas is bad. (laughs) Like, let's be clear Dallas is just plain bad. Um, Dallas is just as bad as the Warriors. And it's a question of, no, 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 no. Dallas is worse than the Warriors. Yeah. Because Dallas, just doesn't guard at all. The Warriors guard here and there and didn't tonight right, and, right. Didn't, and didn't on Thursday night. Dallas doesn't at all. And they take, they, they miss Seth Curry, uh, trading Seth Curry for Josh Richardson. They felt like, and, and kind of similar to the Warriors, I think Dallas felt like if we have Luka with, just competent they over, offensive they players over, around. They overcorrected with the defense. They tried to Correct. overcorrect with defense. Correct. And ironically, they're still not defending. But, um, Correct. And 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 they don't and they can't shoot anymore. Right. Um, last year they made a million threes. They were statistically uh, the best offense in NBA history. They were 30th in terms of three point percentage entering the series. They might be 28th now, but the point is they're not good. Well, I mean, they they didn't make uh, they weren't good on Thursday night today, they made a bunch, but they weren't going Thursday night. But, and and the other problem is the three guys that shoot the most of them, the guys that, that shoot the most threes for Dallas, uh, they're all under 30%. They may be over 30% now, but going into the game today, they were all under 30%. Luca made a ton tonight. Um, so I, I, I think like we should recognize Dallas is bad. Um, and so I think this one was a giveaway We've talked about, you just talked about, you know, not trying to bash uh, Steve Kerr too much. Uh, you and I have talked about the aggressiveness of Steph, combining that with what that means with, with Kerr. Um, I well, thought I just, Kerr, I just, uh, he, he, freed up, he freed up Steph plenty today. I don't know if that was philosophical or just, you know, kind of he fell into it. My only gripe with Kerr today is with you know 14 or 15 seconds left and then they let they let the Mavs run it run it down and Kleba hits Maxi Kleba hits that three I think that down one there 
I think you do have to foul just because Steph is so hot. You need to give Steph a chance to, no matter what happens, if they make two free throws, you need to give Steph a chance to hit a three to tie. So it. I, I think this brings up the most interesting philosophical point. Um, one thing, one thing we should say, uh, Steve Kerr here post game. We did not think at all about fouling. There was a four second deferential and we had a timeout. So we yeah, he's got wrong. the ball out I mean, of Luca's hands and Maxi made a shot. You got to hand it to him. Okay. I mean, that's philosophically, I think everything comes back to this point where Steve Kerr is more interested in trying to instill defensive values than win games. Everything. No, comes no back I think, to- no, hold on. I think he's trying to win games. I, I think you're wrong. I think he cares about winning games. Of course, but, but, he thinks about defense uh, first is correct. My point. Yes, you're in, right. You're right there. So he thinks about defense first. And I don't think, in my opinion, I don't think that is the best path to winning games with this Warriors roster. But there is a, there is this level of because Steve has said this in other quotes. I'm building for basically when Clay comes back and to compete for a title, you need to have a top five to 10 defense. I, you know, it's almost impossible to find an example in history of a team that doesn't. So in some ways he's more interested in teaching that with the players he thinks he'll have next year than necessarily going for the W. Like if he went for the, if you wanted to go for the W tonight, Steph plays 40 minutes and I'm pretty confident they win the game. If Steph plays four more minutes tonight. I mean, he probably should have. He should have. Yeah. I mean, but, but the point is it it seems to me that there's a level of I'm trying to teach habits for what a team who's competing for a title will need. Like if once we're, let's put it this way, Andrew Wiggins will likely be on this team next year. He will not be in as big of a role next year, but he needs to understand that there's a level of defense that they're expected to play. And there's a way they're expected to play in those games to win games. They're not going to be trying to just win 145, 140. When they get clay back, let's assume they make a couple moves in the margins to make this roster a little more competitive with the LA teams and kind of play those type of teams. You and I both know you can't beat either of the LA teams in a playoff series without some semblance of defense or just really any title caliber team. Well, correct, but and I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying if that is what Steve Kerr is preaching, if that is what he is trying, if that's what he's going for, that's into, it's intellectually dishonest. Um it's disingenuous. Plain plain and simple because the likelihood that Kelly Oubre is on this team next year, okay, is low. Right? So him trying to instill, like, if, if he's saying we're playing for next year, we're trying to install these but, defensive but, principles for but, next year. But uh, Andrew Wiggins probably will be. Um, Kent Bazemore sure. probably will be. Sure. Um, James Wiseman, who's not playing tonight, definitely will be. Sure. Yeah. No, you're I absolutely mean, right. Like, sure. You're right. You're going to you're, have eight or nine players you, on this roster. You are, you are absolutely right. But he has said in propping up the starting lineup that was terrible. And then still at this point, keeping Kelly Oubre in the starting lineup, as opposed to the Wiseman for Looney switch was the, these are the guys I think I can build the best defense around in the playoffs. Kelly Oubre like, is probably, he may be, he may be. I don't think the Warriors are going to spend 15 million and, you know, resign him for four years and 60 million. Is anyone they have to do something million? because they can't replace like, him. 
Is right. anyone giving like he's playing himself yeah, I, into yes, a very yes. uh, Joe Lacob friendly contract right yes. now? Yes. No. No. Somebody will because there's going to be a lot of money out there and a bunch of the. Uh, there were plenty of teams that held cap space for this coming off season for and, Kawhi Leonard. Uh, for- just about everybody but Kawhi Leonard has resigned. Right. Giannis is resigned. Like there are not a lot of top tier free agents there, so there's going to be a lot of money out there. Somebody's going to give Kelly Oubre four years and sixty. Um, Fair enough. So I think that I think that Steve Kerr in saying that we, we got to stick with this starting lineup, what he was defending it because this is going to be my best defensive lineup. I think it is disingenuous to say that is for those principles for next season because I don't think it's it's not likely. It's possible, but I don't think it's likely that Kelly Oubre is back next year. I think sure, sure, I but think I, he, I, so I think, I think he's getting traded or he's just going to walk. I do think um, he'll probably they'll probably end up trading him midseason if they feel like there's no chance they can retain him. Just because, they oh no, they can there. retain him. It's a question: is are they going to want to? Are they going? Well, yeah, give I mean, if they've, if, they've, if they've made a decision internally that like the cost of retaining, they're just not going to. You know. And by I, the way, I hope if they don't trade him, I hope he's back. He's an okay. He's a decent NBA basketball player. Um, next year, you're a lot happier with him as your seventh man than you're starting to. Yes. Yeah. And, and again, it's not my money. It's Joe Lacob's money. I don't care about the tax. So if he walks, there is no mechanism to get anywhere near as good a player as him. And look, the dude had 42 nights ago. So uh, as we record this, I mean, I mean, this ago. is, this series is actually a perfect example of who Kelly Oubre is 41 night looks just looks like a borderline all-star. And the next night, you're wondering if it's his first time ever playing basketball. Like, he's so, think- so up and down. And it, it's funny because, like, his numbers look solid. And it's just a, it's just an example of, like, you know, it, you don't just shoot 46% every game. But he's, like, one of those guys who's literally, like, 9 for 10 or 1 for 10 from the field. Yeah, so I think that I, I've been thinking about this the last couple of days. And um, I'm sure a lot, of, a lot of the Light Years listeners play fantasy football. Sure. And – the guys that are really valuable in fantasy football, you know, the receivers that have a hundred yards and shout a touchdown out to Devontae every- Adams for winning me the league this year. Yeah. No, f- fuck that. You want to, even- <laughs> uh, and by the way, Aaron Rodgers, shout out Cal Bears. Aaron Rodgers just won the MVP again. Um, <laughs> but those guys, like the guys that have a hundred yards and one touchdown every week are more valuable than the guys that have 180 and three touchdowns one week and then have like two catches for 28 yards the next week. Um, and that's what I, that's what it feels like for, for Kelly Oubre. Like his overall numbers might be decent at the end and he'll probably, you know, he'll probably get close to 35%. I don't know if he'll get close, but like, he's probably going to end up at the end of the year with his like similar career uh, averages, percentages. But the when it's huge highs and very low lows, as a sort of role player, I'm like developing a theory here that that seems to be more damaging than a guy that's just like if if you if you average 17 and just give me 17 every night, you know you're like yeah you have no 30s 16. you have no 30s mixed in there, but you also don't have twos right mixed in there. like every day it's 15 or 20 yeah and you end up with 17 and a half. Um, Especially for this, ironically, team. that's Andrew Wiggins this year. He's been very yeah, but consistent. but Wiggins is Wiggins is yeah, Wiggins has been really consistent, and I think it's because I think for this team specifically that matters. Draymond's just not going to score, um, but Steph 
because of the volatility of the three point shot, just just conceptually. Sure. Steph is Steph is gonna like is Steph gonna score twenty eight or is he gonna score sixty? Right. Right. But Steph Steph may go you know nine for fifteen or he may go three for fifteen. So because of that volatility, I think surrounding Steph with more consistent guys every night is something that should be kind of considered. So even though Ubre is going to end up, he's probably going to end up, you know, averaging 15, 16 points a night. The the fact that sometimes it's zero and sometimes it's 40, I think for this roster specifically is damaging. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, he, that's kind of who he's been in the past too. It's, I, I just feel like the expectations are on higher on him when he's just not that guy. He's, he's probably meant to be basically a six man. Someone come off the bench. Some nights he's just feeling it and you ride him. And some nights you're like, you know, maybe you're only playing 15 to 18 minutes tonight because it's not your night. So I think that's, I think there's something interesting there too, because those guys, right. Jamal Crawford or Lou Williams or Jordan Clarkson, who's been fantastic this year. um, I think one of my arguments against sending Ubre to the second unit was when you tell guys to just go be the the main guy in the second unit and just go cook right I think that can get them into some you have to be the right guy for that I think some people can get into bad habits when they're just like no just go cook yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the last thing you want like Ubre is already kind of a mess you don't really need him to lead more into that when he has the ability to I thought he played semi-decent defense on Luca um across the two games like I nothing great but he's 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 had stretches where he's used his length well he has potential you know, like he's, he was fine today and as we record this today and Thursday he was like on balance he was fine again I just think there is like if he has you know instead of having 40 and whatever he had tonight you know 10 or whatever he had tonight if he has i if he has 20 and instead of the 50 that he had between 40 and 10 if he has 20 and 20 the warriors are better off because they need they need they need they need something steady because they didn't need the variance i mean the the 40 he got last game was nice but like they would have won the game if he got 20 um, but tonight they could have just used the steady 20 that Wiggins gave him. Like, honestly, yeah, if he gave him, if he gave him a single similar performance to Wiggins tonight, which was steady, not, you know, not fancy or anything, not standout. Wiggins had his moments at the beginning of the fourth quarter, keeping the Warriors in the game. They would have mm-hmm. been in a better position, but that's just not who Kelly Oubre is. I don't think he'll ever be that, um, you know, at least not for the next like few years. So I'm not no. like banking on that changing in March or something like that, you know, it's not no. always going to be, um, but let's, I want to, I want to go back to Steph real quick right now um, because we're not giving enough. I hate being the guy who's like, look what he did in the loss, but 57 points. Um, He is up to 42% from three on the season. And really, if you, subtract the first five games when he looked confused with what he was doing. He's pretty much shooting MVP splits per the same numbers he had in 2015, 16. Uh, We know how terrible this team is without him. They're the worst team in the NBA last year without him. They would be the worst team in the NBA this year without him. Um, And he's been really patient. And that's the, that's the part that's most interesting to me. He, uh, 
he seems bought into the Warriors plan for next year more than I think any other superstar would in this situation. And, you know, some of that's just because he's, he's been a warrior his whole career and everything, but it is a very big blessing that the Warriors have a superstar who's not putting maximum pressure on them at all times. Like, I don't, I don't think they're going to realize what they have with Steph until he's gone, to be honest. No, I mean, no. And uh, part of that, despite what happens on Twitter every game, right? Oh, yes. uh, right. Currently, if, Warriors Twitter is uh, every game is the Super Bowl and someone needs to be fired or someone needs to go in the Hall of Fame, depending on the result. Well, but also NBA Twitter in general. I mean, as sure. much as you and I love it. And <laughs> most of the listeners here probably found the show from there. So, yeah, no, as much as you and I love NBA Twitter and it puts food on our tables, et cetera, et cetera. Um, for a lot of guys, including Luca, after Thursday, but especially Steph, not really LeBron, but basically everybody but LeBron. After every game, it's kind of a referendum on their entire career on NBA Twitter. But sure, because I think Steph is, I think Steph is comfortable in his place in the NBA world, in the NBA landscape. He's comfortable with his legacy. He's won the two MVPs. He's got the only unanimous MVP. Um, he's won three titles. So I think that gives him some comfort in letting the process play out. He's also just a kind of a different dude. Um, right. But I think, I think that gives him, you know, a lot of these other guys uh, don't have, I, I think Steph feels like his legacy is secured despite what happens in the, and the the dialogue on NBA Twitter all after every game. I think Steph is pretty comfortable with his legacy. So that gives him the freedom to let all of this play out. And I, I think it's also kind of just his, his nature and his personality. Um, I also think he's just a true believer in the process. Like as much as we can roll our eyes at Steve Kerr, big picture decisions. Um, Steph likes that offense. Steph likes working off ball. Steph believes in everything they did. He believes it's an important reason why they went to five straight finals. And he's, he's more of the mindset of, I don't, I don't, he's almost more of the mindset of like Kobe Bryant with Phil Jackson, where like he believed in the triangle and trying to make it work later in his career than of let's just say other players who maybe didn't have great coaching or certain coaching situations or they're more like, I don't give a, you know, whatever about the system or the coach, like get talent around me. Like, I do think there is a level of Steph, which is he wants to win in this specific way. And he's very committed to making it work that way because that's how his career has gone. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's, I think that's right. I think that's probably right. Um, I don't think that Steph has been optimized as well as he could be. Like, it, which sounds ridiculous because he had fifty-seven tonight. Sure, it was a fifty-seven. Well, and is like, it, isn't even that just like a isn't even that just tonight a Steph thing though? Where it's like you feel like when he's rolling, like why can't he go for a hundred? Why can't he get to one hundred and fifty? You know, like right. <laughs> but but I think it's again like. I think, and and to be fair to to Kerr, right? And I'm as hard on Kerr 
and and you and Andy and I are sure. as hard. Andy and I probably more even than you, but like are as hard on Kerr as anybody. Um, but I think that like there are occasions, especially if you have nine guys, like this isn't the fifteen. Uh, excuse me, this isn't the like seventeen, eighteen Warriors, the eighteen, nineteen Warriors. Play Steph an extra minute in the second bring him back with seven bring him back with eight in the second and fourth because he's rolling now to be fair to Kerr he has occasionally you know like when Steph will have a huge third right he's let him start the fourth for a possession or two um but I I think that the difference is like Steph I think it's just his his nature right he's loyal I think he wants to be a warrior forever um I think Oakland specifically the city of Oakland matters to him He's talked about it. He's done a lot of charity work. But because, like, comparing to Dame, I think Dame is going to stay in Portland. He's never going to win a title in Portland, but the loyalty matters to him. The right. the the thought that he's going to be maybe the best, bla- the greatest blazer ever, I think matters to Dame. But he's never going to win there, right? And so it'll be a question. But Steph can do all of those things with a little bit more comfort because he has right. those titles. Um. But like, but to be honest, I, I like I don't think he's being optimized, I, and, and as ridiculous as it sounds, and I think he, I think you're probably right that he does enjoy and value some of the off-ball stuff and some of the beautiful game stuff, and you know the Warriors again tonight and Thursday had a bunch of assists again. Um, but you have to have the like, right players to do that is the other thing. You know. Correct, and they don't. I mean, we, we, it helps with Draymond at center. It helps. Um, Wand, I mean, Juan's, Juan's a great story, but, you know, he's playing a little too much. Like, we can, I mean, we can look, go down the list, yeah. <laughs> look, I mean, like, there's a reason he's a two-way guy, right? Like, yeah. there's a reason Michael Mulder isn't an NBA player. There's a reason Bazemore made the minimum. There's a reason that nobody wanted. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Uh, that Wiggins. That, yeah. No, Wiggins is like Wiggins. Fine, but Wiggins has some talent. But there's like, there's right. There's like, there's a reason. Other than and look, the Warriors spend a bunch of money on you know a handful of guys, one of which isn't there. But there's a reason why the roster is filled out with guys that aren't making any money that nobody else wanted. That like that's a thing. Um, but. I, I, it's like <laughs> Steph's Steph's greatness is, I, it's, it's wild. I mean, it's just, it's just wild. And it was 
again tonight kind of uh frustrating sad disturbing that his one of those great nights where he was at his greatest was was in vain absolutely look no one's perfect even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded the best golfers sometimes three putt with the tournament on the line so if you feel like you're coming up short in the bedroom sometimes it's perfectly okay but if it's bothering you there are options go to roman.com slash light years now with roman you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ed all from the comfort and privacy of your home a u.s licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan if medication is appropriate it ships to you free with two-day shipping the whole process is straightforward and discreet getting started is simple just go to getroman.com slash light years and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Go to getroman.com slash lightyears and get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. Getroman.com slash lightyears. Get started now to save $15 off your first month of treatment. Um, let's hit on Draymond and then get out of here. Uh, Draymond really is pushing the boundaries of how good a player can be without having any offense. 15 assists, six steals, four blocks. I was actually probably most con- impressed with some of his contests at the rim. It was more in line with the Draymond of four years ago and a player we haven't seen much this year. Two points from the free throw line. Um, the great... Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson debate on whether that's a flagrant or not. I thought it was a flagrant, but nah, Maxi was uh, Kleba was all right there. He, he, I mean, it was, was it was Chris Stapps, right. but um, was it? No, I think yeah. it was Kleba. Oh, it was, was it Chris Stapps? It, it was Chris Stapps. Right. Um, and then six rebounds. Damn, that damn comb over. Yeah, I mean the whole roster has comb overs, but that's right. Yeah, that's right. Another. That's a that's a different. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll leave that there. Uh, where are you <laughs> they, at with they Dray- look like the, They look like the Celtics. They should be the Celtics roster with all those, all those white yeah, guys. Trade, trade Josh Richardson for Gordon Hayward. Um, what, uh, what, where are you at with Draymond? Uh, so Draymond said a couple nights ago, uh, like a week ago, um, was it, I don't, it may have been Slater that said it. I don't remember who said it. Maybe it was Marcus that said it, that Draymond had talked about. And I've, uh, heard it on you guys talk about it on your podcast the Draymond was two to three weeks away from basically being back from COVID you right, know, right. And, being, and being um physically where he wanted to be and Draymond has historically kind of ramped up to you know the 82 game players and the 16 game players sure sure so he's kind of historically ramped up to being in peak condition in the playoffs but I think he realizes that he can't do that this year because the team's not good enough. Um, so I am interested to find out going forward, especially when Looney, Wiseman, Pascal, et cetera, come back, um, if this Draymond continues. Because he has been, you know, uh, he was he was the second or third best player he on Thursday night, he was probably the best player on the floor, even though Steph was really good. Sure. And tonight he was probably the third best player on the floor. Luca was good, you know, um, right, right. but 
a lot. I mean, he's back to uh, really hard closeouts. He's rebounding a little bit. He's challenging shots. Um, you know, I've heard you and Andy talking about with all of your guests on this show about how Draymond had two blocks. You know, like right. he, he had two blocks going in, going into uh, the Thursday game. He had two blocks on the year, right? Then he had two dunks on Thursday. He blocked three or four shots tonight. Um, and so I'm interested to see if that is a product of, is he, as he said, kind of rounding into physical and cardiovascular shape, or is it because he's been forced to play center and that's just what he should be? Um, because it, because that, like that kind of, uh, by nature, adds another person that can run it adds another shooter theoretically you know when you're taking looney off the floor you're taking wiseman off the floor um i think it i think it plays into draymond's hand now can he do that for 30 minutes a night normally i don't know should he be if the warriors want the best version of themselves probably but I think it's an interesting question of what we've seen, the 15 assists, you know, back-to-back games, how much of that, and, and the block shots and the dunks, how much of that is he is getting in better shape, like he said, and how much of that is, guess what, you got to play center. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a combination, and he'll still never say it, but, like, there are games, we just don't know how much of an effect COVID has on guys, right? Like everyone's reacting to it different. Um, I thought it was really curious that he looked just dead in Utah and Denver. Yeah. The altitude games have been a problem for him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, altitude's terrible for everyone, but like if you have virus conditions, I can imagine that's going to make it worse. Um, With that said, yeah. I mean, tonight I thought he played with basically playoff intensity for the second half of the game he played pretty i mean some of the shots he was taking i was like what i was worrying if he was gonna get hurt or something like that like it was it was it was the type of stuff where i'm like i don't know if you can play 70 or 80 games of just taking charges and body shots like that on repeat which is why he typically doesn't right that's why he typically plays himself into that type of uh physicality and kind of shape over the course of a year because it's very hard to play that physical at his size for, for 82 games or 72 or whatever the hell we're playing this year. Right. Um, but yeah, but I think he's realized he may have to. Right. Because even like, for, like Looney is whatever, like put Looney aside. Cause Looney's just like, put him aside. I like, I don't, I've never gotten it with Looney, put him aside, but even with Wiseman, who is Draymond's clearly his pet project. Sure. Like even when, when Wiseman is on the floor, Draymond's still the the guy who's more right. physical and and right. taking the more physical. Yeah, I mean they're asking Wiseman to be kind of weak side shot blocker and use his length, not like body people up the way that they asked Draymond to. Um, yeah, I mean he's playing great. It, what's interesting is he probably poses the most tactical questions for this team. Like, there's a lot of consideration in roster building around Draymond more so than Steph. Can this guy play with Draymond? Can this guy fit around Draymond? Because Draymond has to have the ball in his hands on offense because he's not an off-ball threat, right? So yeah. can you play this guy next to Draymond because he, um, you know, you want him on the floor for everything he does on defense, everything he does, leadership, all those qualities. But 
uh, he forces a lot of uh, concessions on offense, right? Uh, he does. And I think that, I mean, you and I have talked about this before, but I think uh, we, 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 I have, I have said over and over and over on your podcast, on yeah. other podcasts, my pod, whatever, like I've said that you have to maximize Steph offensively. You have to make concessions defensively to maximize Steph offensively for this Warriors team. But I think that, I think there is an argument to be made that maybe it is even more important to maximize Draymond offensively and and they need the same thing. So the, I think you have to think about kind of Draymond and Steph as a pair and offensively think of them as a pair and maybe use lineups that maximize the two of them offensively because Draymond isn't a threat to make any jump shots. And so the, the Wiggins, Oubre, and Wiseman combination with them doesn't work. Um, I, I, think, I think it is possible to have inferior players that are not even real threats, but sort of threats to shoot the ball. The space that that provides, not just Steph, but Steph and... Because we normally think that... We normally think of it as Steph is going to get double teamed. Steph is going to have to give the ball up and then whatever. Um, but I, I think I think it, it is a fair conversation at this point to think about what it provides for Draymond also. And I, and I think that Draymond, even with the roster completely healthy, I think that Draymond is going to, if the Warriors want to be as good as they can be, is going to have to play some more center. And that's going to yeah. force Steve Kerr to make some concessions One offensively. Last... I mean, like for the offense. Um, Let's, let me ask you let conceding me ask you some defense. One last question here. Okay. So I've always agreed Draymond should be the center on offense just by default of his skill set. Um, what does Wiseman shooting do for you? If that shot comes um, around, yeah. Can't you have a situation where, you know, Wiseman's technically the five, but on offense, he's kind of he's playing like a stretch four almost I guess is the best way to put it and Draymond can do what we're seeing him do tonight as the five man and but then on defense having that rim protector behind Draymond you know it'll do a decent amount to limit the wear and tear on his body he's obviously going to still take the more physical assignment but like knowing he has a, a shot blocker behind him means you know he doesn't have to throw his body at dude's all game in a way that's you know probably counterintuitive to him lasting for multiple years right so i think i think there's a couple of things one i think that um i think that draymond this is this is i'm always love coming on your podcast because it can be like pg-13 uh right. or even even past that i think draymond gets a partial gets like a half chub um when he is forced to play center I think that like him, yeah. I think I think I think he gets going, having to like trying to punk uh, like Porzingis, having no right? one behind him, where he's like, I, th I, I have think that, to I do think this. that that kind of gets him going. Right. But, so I think there's that, but um, I think that Draymond can do what he is doing with Wiseman. I don't think he can do what he is doing with Looney. Right. Um, right. Because. No, no, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, because uh, Wiseman, 
but I think it's going to take another year or so. If, if right, yeah, if, this, if this Wiseman, isn't this isn't happening Tuesday when Wiseman comes back. Correct. If Wiseman, no, if Wise, because I've talked to on your podcast a lot about how you know you know how like in scouting reports uh, or draft whatever you get red flags, you get bad information about somebody, and it sure. takes a lot. Or even even in the league, right? Like uh, I've been around Javale a lot, Javale McGee a lot. You know, with the Lakers, was around, traveled with him, whatever. And he got, because he was kind of a goofball, he got this reputation. And even if the evidence goes the other direction, the scouting report on that kind of thing lags, right? The, the, what kind of guy you are, or if you're a goofball. It's like the Wiggins three point shot right now. Exactly. He's hitting, he's hitting it, but no one's, no one's guarding him. Like he's Clay Thompson. Correct. And so that's the, that's the same thing with, with Wiseman, right? He's shooting 40% this year, but the scouting report is that he's not going to do that. And so he's also lag- just probably not going to take a lot of them that like at no point, if you're the opposing team or like, Oh, he hit one, I better get up on him or he's going to hit another 10. So that's why I think it's going to require next year, right? If he continues this, if he shoots, you know, if Wiseman shoots two or three a game and makes 40%, then next year, that's going to be in the scouting report at this point uh, teams are going to say, go ahead. So if that becomes the case, I think that Draymond can do this with Wiseman because he has that shot that you were talking about, but because he also, if his hands are okay, he also is a a weapon for Draymond on, you know, if you double team Steph off Draymond and Steph pick and roll, you got the four and three and he throws the lob if his hands are okay. So um, I think that, I think that option is there for Draymond with Wiseman. I don't think it's there with Looney. Uh, Marquise Chris, we haven't seen enough of it, so who knows? But I always forget about Chris because he in preseason he looked. Uh, there's reasons to you know kind of be, be intrigued with what he could have done this year. No, I, I think like I think Marquise Chris would have helped this year. Um, sure. They tried to play him at center defensively, which just doesn't work. You may as well play Draymond. But offensively, he's athletic. He can stand in the dunker spot. You know, he can do – Draymond can do some four-on-three stuff. And, and you the can shot was looking better, dunks. too. I mean, who yeah, knows I mean, if he that's was a, real, he but... was Phoenix, when they drafted him, tried to make him a three. So, yeah, I mean, you know, and the shot – the three-point shot was coming around. Again, it's not something that, that other teams are going to fear. But, like, eventually you're going to have to guard it. Um, so I, I think that Wiseman can be a part of that with Draymond, mm-hmm. but again, I, 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 not this year, probably not. It's just going to take, it's going to take Wiseman making some threes and being that lob threat. That's going to make right, right, right. fear, fear it. Okay. Well, we're going to end it here. This went from a post game pod to like a philosophical pod, which is tend to be what you and I do. But I will get you back on here after the G League Ignite game. Yeah, Wednesday. We're going to do it. We'll record Wednesday, yeah. Yeah. But no, hold on. I want one more. One more thing. Okay. Do you agree with me that that they should have fouled or you should have fouled? I mean, what they did didn't work. So, yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I would have actually – I'm with you. I would have liked to see them more – they played it – you know, I should have said this 20 minutes ago, but – they played it too straight up, and I don't think they're a good enough defensive team to play it straight up. I would have been okay with the 2016 or 17 Warriors playing it straight up. Um, this team should have tried to trap and scramble and then maybe fouled. Um, 
Dave, now, there's a good chance that's rolling like that. There's a good chance they could have forced a turnover. If they got the ball out of Luke, Luca's probably not going to turn over, but everyone else on that team is a questionable decision maker. Like Josh Richardson, Tim Hardaway Jr., all those guys are, you know, you, you get Draymond coming over as a second man, throwing his arms in there. They're liable to throw it off of his throat out of bounds. So I would have liked to see them get a little more aggressive there. The straight up thing, it, it just, it reeked to me of I'm trying to teach habits of how we play instead of I'm trying to win the game. Uh, yeah. And for the, what was it? Fourth time in a row, the right. Warriors had a chance to go three games over 500 and took the L. Hey, they've had no three game losing streaks and they've had no three game winning streaks. It's, it's the weirdest thing ever because usually teams oscillate a little more than this you know it's like hey you lost four in a row but then you won five in a row they're literally like win one lose one win two lose two win one lose one you know i mean i think it's i think it's the bubble the bubble the baseball series COVID, everything like that is contributing because they're not the only team who's like that but yeah are we i i I think it's at this point you know (laughs) you i i I listen to you and andy all the time you guys are one of my favorite podcasts i listen to you guys all the time but um and, and I, you, uh, one of my favorite things was you guys um, partially tongue in cheek making fun of Steve Kerr for the it's going to take 20 games to figure out who we are. Um, but I like I think we've kind of figured out who the Warriors are. Right. They yeah. are. They yeah. are just like. And it's it's like Kelly Oubre, though, like Kelly Oubre is a good uh, microcosm, a good analogy for the Warriors. They're just like kind of mediocre and there's some teams are just mediocre. Like they're kind of consistent and just mediocre. The Warriors have wild swings up and down, right, right, yeah. but the results are just kind of mediocre. And that's and I where I wish they are. And, and, you know, bringing it back to what we were saying 20 minutes ago, and I'm going to stop recording in a minute, <laughs> but they <laughs> are, that's why they have to go for it. When, when they have Steph going for, 57 but it could have been 80 could have been like there i don't know that whatever number steph ended this game with was more a product of what he wanted to end it with because he was getting whatever the hell he wanted all game and and he was that hot uh they should have just said you know screw it steph you're playing 40 minutes tonight and if you have dead legs in a week from today and we lose a game so be it but we got, yeah, but you also, go you've talked about you have you more than anybody have pointed out right this is your point you more than anybody on nba twitter like again sure. i'm like sort of a warriors twitter guy more of a lakers twitter guy nba twitter but i think on warriors twitter or on nba twitter you have pointed out more than anybody like steph is the marathon runner of he is yeah NBA. I mean, like there's nobody sh- in better sh- like lebron's in incredible shape but like they're cardiovascular well, they're, they're two, wise, di- like, they're two different athletes. Um, right. You know, they're the two best so let, athletes. Let Steph, let Steph cook. Let yeah. him cook. When he's cooking like this and you need the game, because you do need the game. Yeah. Let him cook. And that's and that's my thing too. Don't leave games on the table. Like the big picture, like we're playing to have legs in game 70. I don't know if we have a game seven. So anyway. We'll leave it there. We'll be back. Uh, post-game reactions, always fun. No chance I can ever do a podcast with Aaron that's under 30 minutes. So. 